The Pilgrimage of the Heart podcast is brought to you by PYO.Yoga, an online studio for all your yoga needs, including videos in Spanish and Russian. This podcast is also brought to you by Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga, located in San Diego and serving over 1,000 yogis a week. Hi, this is Sujantra. Join me now and every week as we explore yogic philosophy and apply it to our daily lives. All right, so tonight we um, were exploring the, 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 the what matters most. And so to get in touch with our hearts, which is one of the quests of the spiritual journey, is to get, try to get in touch with our deepest nature. And so one way to do that, so there's different avenues or routes that you can use to, let's say, awaken your spiritual heart or become conscious of your spiritual heart. And one is the, those visualizations we were doing. Um, for example, breathing in an awareness of your chest and trying to exhale and releasing. Because one way to become aware of something is to tense it and release it. You know, so your hand can be there and you're not really aware of it, but then you tense it and release it and you start to become more conscious of it. So same thing with your heart. Bring in awareness into your heart, exhaling, trying to feel that release. So that can make you more aware of that area. Then... The idea of moving around the, um, the energy of our awareness, bringing awareness into our heart region through different visualization techniques. And tonight we did the um, back body, which is a part of our, that we're not nearly as conscious of. We're normally conscious of our front body, which in the, um, in the yoga teachings is more the personal self, the individual. So when we think of our self, it's usually in the front. When we think of community or that which surrounds us, often we think of our back body. And so we did the technique of trying to be aware of the back of our, um, of our heart center from behind, breathe in the energy, and then exhale, sharing that energy. So these are all, you could say, meditation or like psychic not psychic, like knowing the future, but the psychic part of your being, um, the more intuitive or higher mind. And so these are techniques uh, to awaken the heart there. Another route is what we talked about at the beginning, my suggestions on asking yourself what is dearest to your heart, what matters most to you. And... What kind of answers did you guys come up with for what matters most in your heart? What, what did you f- find? Uh, for me, uh, I came up with uh, the answer to that was patience. Patience. Patience is dearest to your heart. And then what about when you ask the question, why? Why is patience dear to your heart? to better interact with others. And then 
We could go from there and ask, why, why is interaction with others so important? What, what would you say to that? Keep it together, right? These millennials, man, 13th graders, teach college. So. You teach college, you said? Yeah. Uh huh. So that's one. But the other is like, you know, there's those moments when, like, this morning was a really bizarre thing. Like, we get this really narrow street we live on. So I tend, because the road is terrible, I park halfway up there and I just roll my car, like, you know, pardon me for go. Um, and it's just easier than dealing with paying these tight U-turns to get out. This is the first time, like, it's one of my neighbors, I've never met this woman before, but she's got this monster truck, pulls out of her drives, unload in reverse, she's, like, in my personal space, literally, like, in my grill, going, and we're both going the same direction. And the minute I stop to put the car in gear to make sure there's nobody behind me, she's already trying to, like, cut to the corner. And I lost my patience, and normally I'm a really chill guy. But all morning long, I was like obsessed with just how ridiculous this woman, like, you know, why didn't I get the, you know, I was like, you know what? You know, I don't, you, you let it go, whatever. But mm -hmm. then I'm like, you know, you have your moments where you just, you lose your patience. And right. It's just one of those things where it's like, you just, I don't want to be one of these, you know, angry yellowings. Mm hmm. Yeah, so the, the, um, the one reason, the patience with the communication in your job and being more satisfied. And then it seems that at another level, you know that patience is going to give you peace of mind as, as you flow through life. Deal with all the obstacles and deal with and Right. And so to have peace of mind as really dear to your heart, is getting to a, in, into a deep place because when there's peace of mind, then everything that happens in life in a sense, if we're tying in the idea of patience, everything that happens in life, we, we can stop labeling it like, okay, this is good, this is bad, why did this happen to me, why, why, why me? And rather, everything that comes can become an opportunity to maintain that peace of mind. So a lot of times we look at the circumstances in life and we want things to be a certain way, and, and we want it. We want life the, the way we want it. We want to order from the menu of life in exactly certain things. But life doesn't do that, and so a good a good spiritual challenge or a life challenge becomes: Can I maintain peace of mind amidst all these different things going on? And so then that. That, re that cycles back into meditation because practicing meditation each day is going to make you that much more conscious 
and give you that many more tools for maintaining the peace of mind. So I was down at uh, Jyoti Bihanga today, the vegetarian restaurant. And, you know, it's a place where all the people who work there do some meditation. They're all students of Sri Chinmoy. So there's a spiritual undercurrent, but that doesn't mean there's not like real life situations there. And I was talking to one of the waiters and he had, he had just gotten um, a few tough words from one of the managers. And he was really in the midst of a challenge of having to maintain his own calmness and his balance to like serve everybody well and, and stay cheerful. He had wanted some extra time off and it wasn't going to be possible. So, and so he, we were sitting there and uh, started doing like a little alternate nostril breathing. <laughs> and so, so life's going to bring us these challenges and then the opportunity with the challenges is, can I use this as a way to maintain my peace of mind? Rather than looking at the challenge and choosing to run away from it. You know, which is, which is another thing that we do in life. A challenge comes along, and if we don't see it as something we can learn and grow from, then there can be a tendency to say, um, to like back out of a situation, which sometimes is a good idea, but other times we're just backing away from things we need to deal with. So... Um, Now, what about you, Lauren? Where did, where did you arrive at? Um, I thought family. Family. Family was the hardest. I think uh, my father spoke um, thinking of love. Love as the why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That there's love out there in the family. Yeah. So as I was thinking about um, about some of these things this morning, the same thing I thought of um, family. And then, well, why why does family matter? Because I love I love the, my family and. Um, my dad, my sister, their kids, my sister's kids. I'm, um, and then it, it made me reflect back on the, um, the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of the um, Indian texts, one of the classic texts. And it says that one of the principal teachings of it is that we have the right to action, but we don't have the right to say what should happen from our action. And so the, the good tying that in with the idea of, um, with the emotion of love is the idea that there's different, we can love in different ways. So we can, we can love with a lot of expectation. Like I'm going to offer love, but I expect it to be received in such and such a way. Or I expect the love that I offer to create this situation, which is, which is putting our expectation on the situation. 
Another way to love is to love unconditionally. So you love as completely as you can, but then you let go of the expectation for certain results to occur. And it really seems like the wiser way to go to love unconditionally, to love without expectation. And as I reflect on it, there are so many variables in, in the world around us, and more specifically, in the people around us. And even inside our own self, and by variables meaning we all have different lessons to learn, and we all have different energies or momentums that are moving our lives in different directions. And you never really know what someone else needs to learn. Or you, I mean, you could know it if you're at a very deep level, but for most of the time, what other people need to learn or what their journey is in life, we really don't know. We're seeing people at like one segment and it might be someone we meet for a day, or it might be we know someone for, you know, during childhood or in our adolescence or, you know, periods of time. But they're moving through our lives, and we, ha we have time with them. And so that time with them is a great opportunity for us to learn, for example, unconditional love. <clears throat> And again, the idea is to, uh, you, we have the right to our action, and our action is, okay, I have the freedom to either love this person or hate this person. You know, I have the freedom to act, ideally acting through love rather than hate. We have the freedom to act, but, but we can't control the results. So being able to let go and know that the energy we put out there is doing the best we can we're offering the best and the highest that we can to a given situation. And what ends up happening in that person's, the flow of their life, we can't really control it as much as we want to. And, and at, it doesn't take very much reflection to realize how much we do want to control things and how much expectation we do put into situations and so, and that's another good thing is to be really honest with yourself about how much expectation you have in a given situation. And then once you realize it, then you have a, a better chance of, of letting it go and, and feeling that, um, that joy, really, of that detachment. <clears throat> a good friend of mine he and his wife, they have, uh, their son is four and a half. And um, they just found out the, that the, their son was diagnosed with autism. And, and they're, they're, they're brokenhearted. You know, they're just, they're devastated. Um, and there again is the, the thing of, un you know, you, if, it's possible if he had done this exercise tonight, it would have been, okay, what's dearest to me is my family. What's dearest to me is, I'm, it's dearest because this is what I love more than anything. 
And in that, in that act of love, again, we imprint you know, our expectation on, how, on how we, what we want our love to create and what, that, what that's going to look like and, and the whole projection of, of our expectations. And then when life deals us, um, when life does something that like obliterates or radically changes that, it, it, it's something you either, like, you either accept and adapt to, which might take months, it might, you know, can take a, um, I was asking him, you know, how his wife had dealt with it, and he said, you know, it was like for three or four months, she was really, really devastated and depressed, and, um, but, you know, they're like swinging, it was like six months ago or something, but, they, you know, they're, they're adapting and, and it's shifting, but it's really an example of life you know, you love, and, and, but there's all this expectation. And then life deals with something we didn't expect, and we either adapt to it by letting go of the expectation, basically. You can't do it all. I mean, you theoretically could do it all at once, but usually it's a process of gradually letting go of the expectation. So you either do that, or you just start to hate life. You know, you, you start to just, why me, and why is life like this? And, you know, you can really um, take a view that, that life is not a pleasant, not, I shouldn't say pleasant, but is not a magnificent, wonderful experience. And so that's, again, the idea of the unconditional. You know, to be in situations and to give ourselves wholeheartedly, um, but to be unconditional as much as we can so then when things go as we don't expect, we can go deeper into our heart and just try to find that unconditional love and, and learn and grow from it. Because I was, I was telling him about um, one of my cousins, his, uh, one of his children was born uh, with Down syndrome. And, and it's been wonderful over the years seeing my, my uh, cousins that their unconditional love for, for um, their son. And it's, it's ultimately become just such a great source of joy. And, you know, there's lots of suffering um, because of his circumstances. But just the, the, the thing of the unconditional love. And so the situations that life presents us with, if we have the intention for the unconditional, then we're going we're gonna to adapt and, and adjust and we're going to learn as, you know, we're going to take the experience that life is bringing us. Because again, we, we don't always learn from, uh, well, who knows what we have to learn and what the fastest way is, but life wants us to, to move quickly. So it's going to give us the experiences that will do that. Okay. <clears throat> Any other thoughts um, or uh, anything before we wrap up? Okay. All right, good. Well, nice um, sharing the philosophy time with everybody. And I think if there's any other announcements. What's that? I'll be here, I'll be here next week. I'll be here Tuesday night. And then I'm, I'm going to New York for uh, 12 days where students of Sri Chinmoy get together from around the world for uh, uh, two weeks of like spiritual activities, celebrations. So there's an old dead-end park 
that the Sri Chamoy Center back in New York, a dead-end road that the Sri Chamoy Center back in New York, when Sri Chamoy was alive, turned into a beautiful park and tennis court. And so it, um, in the summer, it's beautiful because the stands fit about 800 people. And so every, um, during the day, there's activities, but at night, it's real nice. People put on plays and uh, musical performances and lots of meditation time. And there, there's also like a 47-mile race. There's a marathon one day. There's a big circus. People do fun circus acts. And so there's lots of activities. So I'll be going back for uh, two weeks of that next Wednesday. But I'll be here on Tuesday. When does Mohean leave? Did he say? Sunday, yeah. Okay, good. Well, thank you all. The Pilgrimage of the Heart podcast is brought to you by PYO.yoga, an online studio for all your yoga needs, including videos in Spanish and Russian. This podcast is also brought to you by Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga, located in San Diego and serving over 1,000 yogis a week.